Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gotta get going. Where are we going? The 90s. The 90s. Time Warp. Time Warp. It's Flashback Week on 101 ESPN. Now here's another great moment from the 1990s. Down the left field line. Is it enough? Gone! There it is! Sandy Alcantara with a triple. Sandy Alcantara with Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker with you. And as we celebrate the 90s here on 101 ESPN, we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and one of our all-time favorites here in St. Louis, Mark McGuire, kind enough to join us. Big Mac, great to have you with us. How you doing? Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been doing great. Just been doing some traveling and watching soccer games and baseball games and, you know, just uh, really enjoying the family. I'm glad that... uh, you know, we're uh, we're out doing the summer stuff that last year the, the the boys and girls got taken away from them. Hey, Mark, when you were growing up, were things as organized for you and your siblings as they are for your kids? Were your parents driving you all over the place, or were you just finding a place to play? <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah, I think it's a little bit more today uh, just because of, especially with the travel baseball um you know, I'm just a couple of weeks ago. I was over in Arizona for a week, enjoying the 115 degree weather. So, um, yeah, my mom, yeah, my mom and dad, they uh, we we just didn't have to travel. You know, they until we were 16, and you know, my mom was great about you know taking us all. Went five boys, and we're all going everywhere. And you know, then as we got older, we either drove or we got you know we we had our friends pick us up and take us. But uh, it's sort of similar, but a little bit more today just because of the travel stuff and you have to leave the state. Well, Mark, we're looking back on the 90s today on the show, and one of the most spectacular things we saw here in St. Louis during the 90s was obviously your home run chase. And Randy and I spoke to you, I believe it was last summer around this time when the 30 for 30 came out about that, and we talked a lot Mm -hmm. about that time and how you prepared for it from a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint. But one question I never asked you is if you were able to enjoy it at all, because sometimes when you're in the eye of the storm, you're so focused on the task at hand and the next game and the pressure that everything kind of becomes a blur but were you able to savor that time that's a great question um yeah um yes and, and the time that i enjoyed it the most was, was between the lines 
Um, and, um, yeah, the, the, the distractions that were enormous, but, you know, um, I got to, to a point where I got to handle that, um, with, actually with a lot of great help from, um, Brian Barto and, and his crew over there in, in St. Louis. And, um, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, but when you're doing something you love, it's, you know, I, I learned at a young age that, you know, you, you don't want anything or anybody ever to get in the way of it. And, um, you know, not that breaking the record was like, like the number one thing, um, was on my mind as a, as a youngster. It was just something that I was striving for and I knew I was close to getting to it, but it was so enjoyable when I, you know, the game started and I was in between the lines and it's like, nobody can get to me. And that's where I just dug deep and deep inside my mind and, and just let it just happen. Michael Jordan said one time that being on the court was his sanctuary. It sounds like that was the case for yeah. you then, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and um, you know, watching his well, technically it was his documentary. This part of both things, but you know, I, I related to that a lot. And um, you know, I, listening to him talk and listening to Tiger talk and listening to Tom Brady talk and Peyton Manning talk. You know, um, it's just, it's, it's amazing that, you know, and I've said this for so many years, it's amazing how powerful the mind is if you're willing to dig deep inside there. And it takes a lot of all this, like you call pressure and just situations out of the way, um, where it allows you to concentrate on something that you know that you're really good at, um, because <clears throat> distractions and the pressures today and, you know, I'm dealing with that a little bit with with my kids. You know, they, there's that you know the pressure of all these, you know, scouts watching you. There's pressure of being really, really good, and and, and they 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 see the name on your back, and you know they you know so is there. What, what do I need to do to try to help them out and um, to try to ease that? And you know, when you're talking to 17, 18 year old boys that want to be a professional baseball player or talking to my daughters at 11 that, that pretty good athletes and, and, you know, playing soccer and volleyball. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing, but you just start the conversation about how powerful the mind is. And, you know, we have all these, you know, now it's a, it's a thing to, to do these documentaries and, and, and to see whether, you know, like we talked about the nineties, it sounds so old, the nineties, you know, it's like, but it's like, you know, how many wonderful, great athletes that came through that time. And now we get to see these documentaries on them. And, and it's uh, really cool because I, I really relate to them. And, and I'm not too sure if at all that that many athletes that, that have been in that position that really know what that feeling is like. Mark, I want to stick with what you were talking about with the mental approach to things. I'm really interested in your approach to hitting because baseball right now is heavily infiltrated with analytics. Actually, we spoke to John Mozeliak mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, and he talked about their offensive approach being a high-level curriculum. And I'm just curious, what do you think about the use of analytics when it comes to a hitting approach? You're one of the most successful hitters of all time. Do you think that teams are maybe too reliant on analytics and that they're thinking about too much when they step to the plate or do you think that's just the evolution of baseball today well um that's 
That's a great question, too, because when I left um, the coaching ranks uh, a few years ago, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the analytics obviously were, were there. But these last three years, uh, they've really, really taken over. Um, I think it's sort of a touchy subject because it's like, um, well, first of all, when you're playing and when you're a hitter, you can't think. And you have to just allow your hard work that you put in, in the cage in batting practice, the conversations you've had with your hitting coaches, that when you get in that box, your mind has to be blank. Um, you cannot think about a percentage. You cannot think about a certain pitch. You have to think about where that, that ball's coming out of that location of where that pitcher's throwing it. And you have to concentrate on the movement and the seams of the ball. Now, if you're, if your mind is concentrated on a certain percentage or a thought process of, of, let me look down at my wrist guard and see if I'm behind the count. Oh, two, this is the percentage that he is going to throw an off speed pitch or whatever his best pitch. I, I should have already known that anyways by doing the studying that I've been studying these pitchers for the series. So I don't need to look at that to understand of like this is the possibility of him trying to throw his nastiest slider or curveball. I've already known that. So why should I have to really remember that and think about this is what I think this is probably one of the reasons why you've seen so many guys being frozen and taking so many pitches throughout the bat. It drives me nuts because to me they're thinking instead of reacting. Baseball is a reactionary game. That's the only way you can play it. You have to allow your eyes to tell your mind what your body needs to do. And if your eyes are looking out there, but your mind is thinking somewhere else about a percentage or something other than that, you're done. You're not going to be successful. Yeah, you can muster up some hits here and there, but we're talking about six straight months. How do you? How can you do that for six straight months? And I think sometimes you're seeing that right now, and you're seeing how they're talking about how hitting is really low. Well, these guys are have a lot of information in their in their mind prior, right before, or even on deck when somebody's coming up and saying this is what they're doing. Blah blah blah. You should have already known how to what this, this picture is going to do to you anyway. But see, and that, see, on top of that is I don't know if these kids are doing this stuff by themselves or relying on the front office or hitting coaches to do all the work for them. I started seeing that um, the last um, few years when I was coaching a lot of these hitters. I was like, hey, you just need to go back and you need to study. And if this is your job in your life, like I said earlier, I'm not letting anything or anybody get in my way of me trying to be successful. So why wouldn't I take the iPad home and study at night, study all morning, study going to the ballpark, and study prior, prior to batting practice? So when after batting practice, all I do is I go and just meditate, relax, hang out with my teammates, 45 minutes prior to the game, I'm, I'm, I'm dialing into my mind, getting ready to go. And I've already, I already have my work done. I don't need to look at an iPad in, in a, in a dugout to figure out what I need to do. 
And to me, it's like, it's, I watch these kids like, and they're so talented. But I think a lot of it is somebody's doing the work for them and they're not doing the work enough themselves. Cardinal Hall of Famer Mark McGuire with us on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. More coming up with Mark right after this. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Wire is with us on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Mark, in looking at the, the first part of the 90s, you had those two years where you played 27 games in 93, 47 games in 94. Did you ever, and that was because of bad feet, did, did you ever reach a point where you thought, man, th- these feet are going to ruin my career? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it was a downer. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was, I think it was under 200 games in two years, I think, something like that. Um, yeah, that was a tough time. But, like, and I, um, I was talking to my son, Mac, uh, not too long ago about that. And I said, you know, Mac, I said, that was the first time that I had to sit and watch baseball and not play it. That was the first time I had to sit and watch baseball. And that's tough to do when you want to play. But I said that was the that was the turning point in my career as far as how I can sit and watch and figure out what the guy's trying to do and do to the hitters. And 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 that's when I that's when the the video revolution sort of started in the early nineties when really the only player doing video um, it was uh, Tony Gwynn. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I said, I said to myself, wow, this is, this is interesting. So let me, you know, I, cause nobody ever talked about this stuff. Nobody ever did anything. You know, we were just reactionary players that trusted our eyes, trusted what our eyes and, and tell our mind what to do this game. We just reacted to things. We didn't look at a scoreboard and, and make sure the guy was throwing 98 miles an hour. We just trusted our eyes, what we were going to see. And if you trust your eyes, it eases your mind, and it's like it's it's like we just it's like we just went out there and played. And so, you know, all of a sudden I started putting that together with the video stuff. And I was like, wait a minute, oh, man, this is this is something really, really, really cool. And I'm like, man, Tony's really onto something. And 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 to this day, I regret I've never had a conversation with Tony Glenn. Um, you know, rest in peace. You know, like it kills me because you know it's like I've just seen and read um, in articles and some uh, interviews that he's done that he and I, we, we, we thought alike at the plate. <laughs> there were two different hitters. That's amazing. It was incredible. It was incredible how we thought alike. And it, to, to me this day, I, I just, I, re, I regret never, and I, I really, it, I never really had the opportunity yet to have a conversation. I never was like, hey, this, Mark, let's go, you know, let's go talk or do that. It was. I only saw him on the field, um, and um, that was. And I just. I, I could really kick myself because it's like, I, I just really. I, I, we are just such reactionary players. But when you started sitting there and understanding, like he, he was taking it to another level. Now, now look where it's at today. It's incredible how far it's, it's advanced. But, um, yeah, it's just. You know, I I learned so much through injuries where that's where. Like, I just, I, I took that. I didn't sit there and say, poor me. Why is this happening to me? 
yes, there was a time that when it happened the second time in 94, I was like, what is going on with me? Do I really want to continue? That went in, in, the, uh, in my mind and out my mind like in 15 minutes. And, and it's just like, you know, I just took it to another level mentally. And, and I just, <laughs> that's what had made me a better hitter. I understood how this game, how this game really, really works. And you have some great years in Oakland, and they reach a point where they can't afford you anymore. And you told a story, Mark, when you were inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame about how you were driving and talking to Walt Jockety yeah. about the possibility of coming yeah. here. Can, can you repeat that story for us? Yeah, yeah, driving across, driving across the the uh, bridge, uh, the uh, the Bay Bridge, you know, and uh, and that's when the, the I, you know, it's funny that it's like you know I. You know, right after the break, uh, the All-Star break, we and we played the at the time it was the California Angels. You know, my hometown. You know, 25 minutes from the stadium, used to go to those games and the Dodger games all the time. And so, you know, we put, we opened up a four-game series against the Angels, and 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 all the all the Angel players were coming down, and the rumors were I was going to be traded to the Angels, and I. I, I was like, oh, my God, this might really happen. They're like, dude, pack your bags. You're coming home with us. You're coming home with us. Well, we finished the four-game series, and, and nothing happened. And, um, you know, I I don't know what happened. I, I heard later, years later, the GM just thought that, you know, he was going to be a free agent and, and that they would just wait and see, you know, in the winter if I would just be a free agent and sign him so they don't have to give up any players. Um but on, and, you know, hey, it worked out. I mean, I couldn't be any happier because it's like, oh my gosh! I mean, I just remember the thirty first crossing the bridge and the thing happened and talking to Walt and here we go and and it just sort of just fell in place. I, I just that was not a place that I ever thought that would happen. But then as I think about it, it's you know it's Tony and Walt and Dave Duncan and Dave McKay and. You know, uh, Barry Weinberg, and it just—it—I uh, it, couldn't be any happier. Um, but just, it's unfortunate. It took me a while to really start getting. <laughs> you know, I get on that get on that road trip, and I—I I was like, oh boy, they made a mistake. <laughs> they they signed me. I was like two for twenty-eight or something like that. I was like, oh, but um, but I I I cannot, and I and I say this all the time when people ask me about what. What, what it was like to play in St. Louis. I said, well, if you can, if you can be like two for 28 or two for 30 or whatever, uh, and you step in the box before you have your first at bat in, in St. Louis, and you have like 45,000 people stand up and give you like a three minute standing ovation. Yeah, it's a pretty good place to play. You know? So I was like, it wasn't really hard for me to think about like, you know, like where I want to be. And this, that was it. And uh, I, <laughs> I mean, I have to, you know, thank Walt and, you know, everybody there just to, to do that. And, you know, I, I don't know if the, the St. Louis, uh, you know, fans even even had, was even on the radar, or even that they were even talking about, you know, the possibly trade for me because it was like what, I think it was like uh, what, one big leaguer and three minor leaguers or something like that. Right. So, um, yeah. So, uh, hey, things work out really, really well, but. And, and I couldn't be happier. But you know, the, the following winter, to, uh, to talk a little bit more about it, so the following winter, I was doing this uh, photo shoot for the uh, uh, for Oakley, and 
and I was in the uh, Angels Clubhouse. That's where they did the photo shoot. And so the the, the head uh, clubhouse guy comes up to me and he goes, man, it's really good for you to be here. And, you know, I, I have something for you. And I'm like, what is it? And he goes, yeah, I'll be right back. He walks back and he gives me an, an Angels jersey, number 25 with my name on it. Wow. He says, you were supposed to come here. I had your jersey. This is the jersey I made for you. That's <laughs> amazing. That. <laughs> That's... Yeah, and it's the yeah, it's the one with the pinstripes and the blue, the blue little short sleeve, and the, yeah, it was uh, yeah. So I have that in my face. So that's a little. Uh... I don't know if many people know about that story, but now they're going to know about it now. So. Yeah, that, that's phenomenal. And, and Mark, th- there are days in all of our lives that, that stick out, and especially in this business. And one of the days that I really remember is the day that you signed the extension. In the press conference, you were so emotional. I, I think you were overcome mm-hmm. w- with joy, and you'd started the foundation that day. But then mm-hmm. what really sticks out to me, and I, I remember it so vividly because in, in left center, you've got the scoreboard and you dotted the I with a home run on your name right. against Romo yeah. Martinez. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember that. I remember that one pretty good. Um, well, I, I really enjoyed facing them. So I was, I was like, wow, this is uh, on top of that signing a beautiful contract and, and, and having been announced and again, having another standing ovation for, it seemed like 10 minutes. Um, that was the first time that I ever felt an out of body experience. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, that literally, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know how I, I hit the ball. I had no idea. I, I, I was totally out of body. I could not feel my feet. I <laughs> couldn't feel my body. And, and I, I was absolutely floating. So it's, yeah, that, that might have been one of the most joyous days of my life. But then again, one of the most awkward feeling, just sort of, I, I can't describe it. It, it literally was, I, I was really like sort of helpless because it's like I'm trying to face a guy throwing 90 plus and I'm like, and I can't feel my body. What do I do? It's like, and and I hit the ball, and I was like, wow. But literally, I literally had, I, I could not feel any part of my body. And that was, uh, and you hear about these out-of-body experiences, and it's like, again, I can relate to that. It's just like, it was incredible. Mark McGuire joining us on Carriker and Smallman. Coming up, more with Mark on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. enough to join us on 101 ESPN with Mark. I'm Randy Carricker, and here's Michelle Smallman. Last thing from me, Mark, it is All-Star Week, and the guy who has stolen the show and emerged as one of the faces of baseball is Shohei mm-hmm. Otani. Randy said he may be the most remarkable baseball player he's ever seen. I, I want your perspective. Well, what do you think about what Shohei Otani is doing right now? It's uncharted territories in our lifetime. Um, it's it's an absolutely incredible, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to see this, you know, stadiums right up here 20 minutes away. Um, you know, I, I was lucky enough uh, when I was with the Padres to, the Padres were, um, I think they were runner-ups to the uh, 
to the Angels as far as trying to uh, win the bidding war to get him to play for their organization. I was lucky enough to be asked to go to the meeting up in L.A. with his agency. Um, I remember walking into the room <laughs> and and looking at him and going, oh, my gosh, I, I, you know, I, you, know, you see, you know, pictures from afar, and I'm like, uh, and and interviews and stuff, and I'm like, when you meet somebody in person, it, I mean, this first of all, he's really tall, he should be a model, <laughs> and he's just a very good looking man, and he is like, just, I mean, so just caring and just so polite, and it's like, and this guy is a talent. I mean, it's just it 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 was just. A, it was so like I was so happy to be there. I thought the Padres were going to get him. He elected to go um, to the Angels. I think just because of the DH situation. Um, what we're witnessing right now is it's it. There's a possibility of it's, it's historic. Um, and I, and, it's, and it's, I sort of related to Albert. You know what he did in his first ten years. Nobody in the game has ever done before. And I think baseball sort of took for granted. And, you know, it's like we have to enjoy and embrace what he's doing right now. And it's like, like you know, hearing a story about he hasn't taken batting practice all year. He's All he's done is, is like just hitting the cage soft talk. But that's incredible to think that he's putting on the show he's doing during the games, hitting 100-mile-an-hour pitches, nasty sliders, like just like he's, at a driving range hitting golf balls. It's like, it's incredible. And then when he's on the mound, you know, yeah, he's, you know, he's had some games that are like just off the charts, but you know, it's the more majority of the games that, you know, he's, you know, he's a really good pitcher. Um, it's really tough to think about what he's going to do. Like when he goes in for free agency, what's he going in as a hitter or is he going in as a pitcher? Um, and the thing is, it's really impressive to me about him that I don't know if many people really realize. He chose to come over um, from Japan two years prior to when he could have waited two years and step and come over here with a contract between two to three hundred million at the time, without even putting on spikes and playing here in the major leagues. He elected to come over here. I believe the team got $25 million or wherever it was. He came over here. He's getting paid rookie salary. He has to work. He trusts himself. He believes in himself. He's, um, he what made 500 and something his first year. He made 600 and something his second year. And then last year he signed a, what, a two-year deal for like just under $9 million. So his free agent year is in a couple of years. And – and so what's he going in as a hitter or is he going in as a pitcher? Um, so he, he's turned that two to $300 million into something pretty close to 500 million without a doubt. Phenomenal. Now that is something that, that is something that, that I, I absolutely just respect. Um, the, you know, it's, not, it's like, uh, you know, we didn't have this back in the day. We didn't have all this money. It was huge money when I started playing, but, we didn't have the opportunity to sign a multi-year deal after your second or third year. We had to place six one-year under one-year deals, so we had to prove every year, and we had to bust our ass every year to get to free agency. 
the kids have it really good right now where they only have to play two or three years at a very young age, which things really, really change. And, you know, and they have the possibility of making hundreds of millions of dollars. Where when I sit there and relate to Otani as far as that, he never worried about the money. He trusted himself and he knew the money was going to follow him because of his ability. And, and that's what I respect so much because he says, I'm not, I'm not worrying about it. I'm going to go there and I'm going to play. Because it's pitching, hitting, and right now both are working really, really well. And he's taken baseball by storm. And I really, truly hope that we really cherish what we're watching in front of us. Mark McGuire, one more thing. You were here 97, 98, 99, 2001. You were here for about four and a half years. And I, I think you feel it. You have unconditional love from St. Louis. We're a community where we love, it's not the laundry. We, we love our guys. And do you feel like you have a, a unique athletic relationship from other athletes with this community? Because you unconditionally love us and we unconditionally love you. With, like the the feeling that I have with St. Louis, and, and likewise, like with other athletes, are you saying? Just like, yeah, just compared to like, like uh, the, let's take a look at uh, Derek Jeter. Uh, Derek Jeter's not a good example. Mark Teixeira mm-hmm. is a guy with the Yankees, and, and I get the sense that Yankee fans say, "Ah, uh, Teixeira played for us." Mark McGuire comes back here, mm-hmm. and you're beloved. Yes, yeah, and and it, and I and I yeah, when I come back there, absolutely. It's, it's incredible, and and not just in St. Louis. It's Cardinal Nation. I mean, it's like, I, I mean, I, I ran into a lady the other day at, at one of my boys' games, and 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 uh, an older lady, and she came in here and talked about that her her mother uh, used to bake cookies for uh, the players that used to the Cardinal players used. To, I mean, it's just like you run into people all over the country from Cardinal Nation, and it and it's like. You, the love that exactly said the love that you feel from from Cardinal Nation and 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 the city of St. Louis and it's not just you have to be there you find them everywhere and I run into that all the time and it and it does it makes you feel so so good I'm telling you it makes you feel great and it's like um, and that's why I was so excited for for uh, for Mo to to make the trade for Nolan Arenado Southern California kid grew up near where I live and it's like in Colorado. Yeah. He, it was nice, but now he's in a place that can really, really, really appreciate him. And, and, how, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, has he gotten a, a full standing ovation like I did um, for like three or four minutes before in a bat? I know when he broke in, when he first came, there was only 25% yeah, capacity. He... If we had a, if we had a full standing ovation for, for Arenado uh, with a full house yet? He hasn't, not from the full house yet. He hasn't gotten the full treatment, but it, it's coming. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, because I'm telling you, it's like, that is just, I, I really hope that they do that. That's just like, just, just like he is one, and they're seeing a little glimpse of it right now in the few games that they, they play there, but for they get to watch him for the next, what, five or six years. I don't know how long this contract is, but it's, it's something special. 
It really is. And it's special to have you as, as part of our community and Cardinal Nation and the Cardinal Hall of Fame. Mark McGuire, you're so generous with your time. We always appreciate talking to you. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of the summer and best to you and your family. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You guys have a great summer, too. That is the Cardinal Hall of Famer, Mark McGuire, joining us on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. A lot of interesting things, a lot of interesting notes about how he thinks about hitting and how he thinks it's changed. And you'll be able to hear that later on today on our podcast, if you so desire, brought to you by I Promise. Just go to 101ESPN.com or wherever you find your podcasts and find the Carriker and Smallman podcast and listen to all the things that Mark had to say because he was great and like he said, Nolan Arenado, if he, if he doesn't love it here as much as he can already, just wait until he does get the, the treatment from 40,000 people. Wait until he wins a World Series here. Yeah. <laughs> and Mark never even had to do that. That's right. All he had to do was show up. That's and a pretty good thing. Bring a record. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.